mi gente, welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. This is your host, Natalie Sofia, and this community was born from the need to create a space for Peruvian immigrants to come together, to support each other, to learn from each other, and to document our stories. The stories our guests share with us are deeply personal and paint a new portrait of what it means to be a Peruvian immigrant. I hope you receive these stories with an open heart and an open mind. So let's get started. This season of Peruvians of USA is brought to you by Ana Isabel Photography. Are you looking for a photographer who can capture your piece of history? Look no further. Ana Isabel specializes in everything from weddings to family portraits, and she's here to help you show up as your best self in every shot. She knows that having your photo taken can be nerve-wracking, but she is committed to making the experience seamless and stress-free for you. Her goal is to capture your essence in every photo and make you feel comfortable throughout the day. With her expert eye and attention to detail, she will freeze time together with you, creating beautiful images that you can revisit whenever you want to spark a memory. Whether you're looking for stunning wedding photos or timeless family portraits, Anisabel has the skills and expertise to bring your vision to life. So why wait? Contact Anna at anisabelphotography.com today to book your session and start creating memories that will last a lifetime. Welcome, Victor, to Peruvians with USA. I'm thrilled to have you here today. Thank you. Uh-huh. It's great to be here. <laughs> awesome. So why don't you introduce yourself to the uh, audience of Peruvians with USA? Absolutely. Yes. So my name is Victor uh, De La Flor. Um, I am a uh, active duty Marine. I've been a Marine for almost 20 years now. Um, I'm also an artist. So I, I do a lot of portrait art, a lot of uh, military art, indigenous type art, and a lot of sketching. So a lot of my stuff is on, on Instagram. Um, what else do I do? So I, I do a lot of side hustles to support all that stuff, right? The, uh, the artist stuff. And uh, I've kind of learned how to distinguish both or at least bring all those together uh, through, you know, things, lessons that I've learned in the military and, uh, you know, just talking to people in general, because I, I never wanted to be the starving artist. Right. So I figured I had to find out a way to, to kind of link that, um, in the military, just to kind of, to caveat off that in the military, I am, uh, I work in the military justice sector. So I'm a legal, legal administrative officer. Um, I deal with a lot of the, uh, the negative parts of what you see in the military, but, uh, overall it is a good, a good job, a good, uh, good field. If anybody's looking to get into that, uh, you learn a lot, you learn a lot of military and federal law, uh, which is something I enjoy doing. So you get to see the, uh, the good and the bad sides of all that stuff. Um, aside from that, um, I'm a father. I, um, you know, my, my beautiful wife, Camille, um, I've got three kids, one in college, one is uh, middle, middle school and the last is elementary school. So all across the spectrum, they keep me on my toes. Um, I earned these bags under my eyes and, uh, I'm earning this, I'm earning this baldness on my head. So yeah, they definitely are a handful, but, uh, overall I live here in San Diego, California, uh, great place to be, uh, grew up in uh, New Jersey, both my parents are Peruvian. Um, you know, we, they came from, uh, Lima to New Jersey, um, watched them, you know, grow up and watched them work hard my entire life. Uh, so I didn't want to let them down, you know, so decided to go this, this way with my career, with my life, uh, kind of had to remove myself from the negative parts of growing up in New Jersey and, uh, also in Florida as well. We, we moved to Orlando, Florida, uh, after a little while, right about when I was about 13 or 14. Um, so I grew up there too. And then I ended up here in California, uh, traveled all around the world, seen great places, not so great places, uh, had been to a war and have been back. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going to end up from here, but, uh, time will tell. Uh, I am retiring from the Marines this year, so I'm pretty excited about that as well. 
That is so awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to dig into your story because there's so many yes. there's so many people in our community who do join the Marines or the Armed Forces. And I think I have um, I never joined. The extent of my experience with the Armed Forces is doing ROTC in high school. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good story. Great, great story. It, it, was a, it was a fantastic experience. I recommend it for anybody. I thought about doing following in, in college and it just didn't work out that way. But I love my experience in ROTC in high school. But I also know that I have family members, friends who joined the armed forces and, and it doesn't seem like they had enough guidance to reap all the benefits that a career in the armed forces can provide to you, right? Like yes. for, for many, many people in our community, it's, it's a way to get out, right? It's a way to get out, see the world, have all these opportunities available to you. But you also have to be uh, aware of those opportunities and, and, and be able to take advantage of them. So I guess I wanted to start with your Peruvian heritage, maybe, and then we move into the... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You got it. You're on it. <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, you your your parents came from Peru. That's you grew right. up in, uh, in New Jersey and then Florida. I guess, what have they told you about, like, coming from, you know, from Peru? What what made them come here? And I guess I, I am always curious. For many of us, the story is the same. Many of our parents mm -hmm. came for the same reason. But, you know, I'd like to give you an opportunity to see what your parents have said to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I've had the luxury, I've had the uh, the privilege of going back to Peru many, many times and seeing where they grew up, right? Where both my parents grew up. Um, and it, it's really eye-opening, you know, as far as like, even my mom's side, it was like a, a small room, right? And she has seven brothers. So there was, it was a huge family and they probably about something about the size of my master bedroom right now. Um, it was tiny, you know, so I, it was really eye-opening and they left that, um, the, the Lima area, uh, in search of a better life, you know, as most, most folks do. Um, they met my, both my parents met, um, when they were 14 and they've been together since that. Um, so I, I really kind of hold that close to heart and that's why, you know, me and my wife have a good relationship. It's all about communication. Right. Um, but I think they, they wanted a better life and they did not want to raise their kids in that type of environment. Um, so I was grateful that, you know, for one day, they made their way over here, over to, to the States to raise us there. Um, I don't know. And my, my dad reminds me all the time. You know, he's like, I, he's like, no sabes como es, you know, vivir in, or nacer in, in Peru, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that. You know, I don't, I don't understand those hardships, but I had enough hardships with young parents who were trying to make it happen in New Jersey. Right. I'd watch my dad work several jobs, two or three jobs at a time. I watched my mother deliver newspapers uh, when she was young and pregnant with my third brother. And I'm sitting in the back seat feeding my younger brother milk, you know? So uh, I remember watching all that and I thought, you know, the, these, these folks do work hard. Um, and, you know, I, I got to make them proud some way, you know? Um, with that, we've gone back many, many times. Um, I've even taken my wife there. She's not, she's from Hawaii. So she, um, she's never been out there. She doesn't know what that whole life was. And we made it out there at one point and she was a little surprised. You know, we went to go visit my my grandfather who lives uh, or who lived uh, in a little suburb called Palomino in, in Lima. Uh, so we stayed with him um, and it's kind of eye-opening too. You know, that's, it, it's, everybody knows each other in that little area, but it is uh, very, very poverty stricken, if you will. Um, so very eye-opening. I'm glad I didn't grow up there per se, but I am glad of that I had that heritage and able to go back there and possibly make a difference, you know, um, to the point where like we even sponsor children out there. Uh, we send back money and clothes and things like that. My wife and I, so, uh, any way we can make a difference, I, you know, we, we will definitely try to do. That's awesome. 
Do you do that to a specific organization in Peru or more like sometimes it's just, you know, people, you know, in the neighborhood just kind of help you distribute. Yeah. So a little bit of both, right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, my, my parents always helping out folks out there, you know, and, um, through Children's International. Mm -hmm. So we sponsor some children out there as well there and then, uh, in the Philippines as well. So, wow. I mean, we, we try to do whatever we can to, to assist. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I, I feel like we've been given so much right over here that yeah. we have to give back somehow. Of course. Yeah. Um, I think that you, you mentioned that like, you wanted to make your parents proud. I think that's something that a right. lot of us can relate to. Like we, yeah. um, we come here we see how our parents work. Uh, and we're like, oh my gosh, they sacrifice so much. I want to make them proud. But the other side of that calling that I've noticed in different conversations and interviews with the uh, different members of the diaspora, the Peruvian diaspora is the amount of pressure, right? Like handling that pressure. <laughs> so how were you able to handle that pressure? Because for many of us, it's like, yes, of course, I want to make them proud. But oh my gosh, this is like so much pressure. <laughs> so. It, 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 it is a lot of pressure. And I recall that growing up, you know, um, I was, I was um, what you would call a knucklehead growing up, right? Um, I... I was kind of wild in that I didn't really pay attention to studies, you know, to school and stuff. Uh, I wanted to be with friends as most, you know, teenagers, you know, people growing up do, uh, especially living in, in New Jersey and transitioning to Florida and stuff. I was kind of, um, brought into a nice group of folks who friends who were living in that, that, uh, that neighborhood. Um, my father didn't really think fondly of a lot of them still, uh, because in part I was concentrating more on playing, going out and hanging out instead of the priorities, which are the studies, right? Um, and that was always a big thing. So I would always, I was always reminded my, my father, especially, um, Hey, you know, we didn't come all the way out here so you can do this. You know, we, uh, we, we came out here, you know, so you can thrive, so you can do better. So you can, um, you know, go to college, something like that. So that, that kind of stuck with me later on in years, you know, probably after I was finished high school. Uh, but it was definitely a lot of pressure and partly because I was, I was a, um, I was not the easiest person to deal with my parents' standpoint, there was a lot of, uh, chanclas being thrown around, you know, that, 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 there was a lot of, uh, uh, quarreling, yelling back and forth, but overall, you know, um, I, I respect my parents for what they did and, and how they brought me up. Um, you know, I wasn't the easiest. I don't think all of us, any of us were, I have three brothers and I don't think any of us were, but, uh, uh, it was definitely a lot of pressure from my, especially from my dad's side, because he knows, he knew that I had a certain potential. He saw it in me, I think, and I wasn't living to that. Um, not all, not, it wasn't until after the fact where I was like, you know what? I need to get out of the house. I'm going to just join the Marines at like 20 years old. And it was like, he was, he was sad. He was mad. But then when he saw me graduate, it was like the best day of his life. He's like, you know, you're actually doing something with your life. And I appreciate that. Um, so pressure small sides, my mother's side too. Um, and especially like, you know, you don't want to be seen as the one in the family as far as your cousins and everybody who is not doing anything. Right. So there's, oh, I think in the proving culture, there's always that, um, comparison, <laughs> comparison, that competition, right. Yeah. Uh, between like, oh, you know, your, your cousin's doing this, you know, you're not doing this. There's always that comparison, right. To the point, and this is funny to the point where, uh, they would put my cousin, Ricky and I, cause I'm sweet tall and so is he. They would put us back to back every time there was a party and they would measure us. Right. So a tough, I'm like, okay, this is getting a little out of hand. Right. Yeah. Uh, and they would compare our grades and stuff. I'm like, oh, no, this is too much. But you know, there's that comparison thing that adds on to the pressure, I think, in the culture. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about how you decided to join the Marines. You said at 20, you were like, I need to get out of the house. Let me join. <laughs> yeah. 
Like that's, yes, yep. that's a brave step you took. It's almost as if you wanted something like a just to make a decision. So I don't want to say final, but definitely a big decision that will shift the direction of your life. And that's, am I wrong? Like, tell us about like that thought process of joining and the thought process for joining the Marines. And also what was the process like up to graduation? Because you had to go to the camp. Absolutely. No, it was, um, so I'll tell you some back for that. Where I grew up in Florida was, was good, I think, in my eyes. Um, but I don't feel like there was a lot going on for me at the time. You know, I was working like two jobs. Back in the day, it was like America Online. And I was working at, um, you know, another telemarketing place. You know, I was just, I was not doing as best as I could be, right? And I was always looking for something else. Um, so it kind of felt like I was getting sucked into a black hole, right? Like there, there's really no way forward. You know, my friends were working the same jobs that they have had for a while, you know, car wash here. And I'm like, yeah, I got to do something else. Um, then I saw that a friend of mine had joined the Marines, right? And I'm like, oh, you know what? That, let me look into that. I asked for information. Um, they called me back. I went into their, you know, the recruiting office. The, you know, they gave me their little sales pitch. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know what? I think I, think I like this. Um, for one, I like the uniform. I like the fact that you can travel. You can, you know, get college paid for it, all that stuff. Because my, my father had mentioned to me that he was not going to pay for college anymore. Uh, so it was really on me. And all my money was going towards that, right? And I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. So I, you know, signed up. You know, unfortunately, I left on my mother's birthday. Um, I, I left to boot camp on my mother's birthday, right, to the map station where they do the in-processing. Um, so she didn't, you know, she wasn't uh, too thrilled with that. Um, but, you know, graduation time came. It was over in South Carolina, Paris Island, South Carolina. And uh, it was like the, the greatest moment of their life. It was like, wow, you know, my, my whole family came, brothers, everybody, my parents. It was like, this is, this is amazing. You know, this is awesome. Um, and like, I'm the only Marine in the family, right? So my uncle was in the army. Um, you know, my brother right now is in the Navy, you know? So um, it, it was a great accomplishment, I think, in their eyes. Uh, but it, really, I just had to make a change in my life because I felt like I was going nowhere back in Florida and I had to make some kind of a difference. And uh, I mean, they've come to several of my graduations because not only did I do the... Um, enlisted. Um, I actually went to officer training and then I completed the officer training and, uh, my parents came to that as well. And, uh, you know, my, it was, you know, I, I watched my dad cry there cause he's like, man, you're doing way better than I thought. And, uh, this is awesome. I was like, wow, you know, I appreciate you all coming. And now they're going to come see me again. when I retire this year, <laughs> um, I feel like I've, I've made them, wow. I feel like I've accomplished that. Yeah. I mean, and, and how beautiful to have our parents, um, you know, celebrate with us those accomplishments and they see oh, it as yeah. their own accomplishments too, which in a way it is, right? So they do. They that's do. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So what would you say your time in the Marines has taught you? My, my time in the Marines has taught me a lot of, um, patience, I think, um, a lot of leadership, um, specifically serving leadership. Um, you cannot just tell somebody to do something and expect them to do it. You have to be willing to do it yourself. Uh, you have to show them the way, right? Um, I do that with a lot of my, my Marines. If I'm not willing to do something, I'm not going to ask them to do it themselves. You know, so I'm not, I've never been above sweeping the floor. Even now as an officer, I'm, I'm not above sleep, sweeping the floor or whatever, vacuuming my own stuff. Um, a lot of times they'll come up and ask me, hey, can I take out your trash, sir? I'm like, you don't need to do that. I, I got my own trash. I got it. You know, I appreciate you asking. Um, but I think it, it's an earned respect. Right. You can't just ask for it and receive that. It's an earned respect. 
Um, so yeah, a lot of patience, um, because a lot of these service members, these Marines will do some, um, some whacked out stuff and you have to learn to deal with it. It's, it's different on the day to day. Um, and I'll give you a quick example, how, how it works. Right. I had asked somebody to make me a copy of a CD and you would think that you have to put in a CD burner, but this guy actually brought me a piece of paper with a CD on it. Like he put a CD on the glass of the machine and I was like, no, like what, you know, so it's, and you have to show these people, right? Cause this is like the first time that they're doing anything outside of their house. So you have to understand that and you have to take the time to be compassionate and understand that and show them. So that is what I mean by servant leadership. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's a funny story. A That's a funny story. There's a lot that goes on similar to that, but you have to be patient with that. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder for us civilians. I guess I never really thought that, um, that for many, like to your point, that for many of for many of those who enlist, this is the first time they're doing their own laundry or they're <laughs> out of the house and they have to figure yeah. out how to pay bills, how to send out for credit cards, how to like, where, what's their social security number? They're like, what? What is this? <laughs> yeah, and, and um, a lot of these folks, a lot of these folks are like, yeah, exactly. They're, this is the first time outside of their parents' house. Yeah. Um. So you have to show them like the way financial, you know, like don't buy this versus that because people will take advantage of you. Yeah. Um, and I have, you know, there, there's a, there's a warm place in my heart for, uh, these young folks or, cause they remind me of my own kids. Right. And, um, I, I've come across, it's funny because I've come across many of who are Peruvian as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I just know, I, I read the name and I'm like, hey, man, where, where are you from? You know, I, I always, that always catches my eye and he's like, oh, my parents are from here. You know, I'm from Ohio or whatever. I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Like, where are you from? Like, where are your parents from? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then we, we get to talking a little bit like that. And I kind I kind of have that warm place in my heart for these these young guys, yeah. these young uh, men. Yeah. So we, you know, you mentioned um, in the intro that you are a legal administrative officer. Um, and, That's right. and so I think one, it seems like one key topic when somebody joins the armed forces or the Marines, it's like picking your job and being smart about what job sure. you pick and maybe right. thinking long-term as well, right? Like once you leave the Marines, the armed forces, what are the skills you're going to gain here that are transfer the transferable to like a civilian life? And so how did you go about picking that career or what advice do you have for folks joining and, and really what guidance you can you provide for them to really reap those benefits? Because you've been able to have a career you love, you know, develop great skills, develop leadership skills, go to the um, officer training, which many don't get that opportunity. You travel the world. It seems like like you reap the line of benefits from this opportunity. Of course, because you are serving our country, right? I guess I want to provide some sort of guidance to those that are recent that are thinking about joining or just recently joined, and and how can they really reap the benefits of this experience? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, so I'll tell you, my my first job that I was looking to get into was counterintelligence. Um, so I, I was I really wanted to get into the intelligence community. Uh, they didn't have that available when I was go through it, right? So they're like, hey, we have um, the, the legal field, military justice field open. So I was like, yeah, you know what? Let me, let me look into that. Because at the point in time, I was thinking about, you know, I want to be an attorney. Uh, I want to go to law school, things like that. Um, so I went that way. I was like, you know what? Let me try this out. Um, so there's this, this thing in the military called lateral move. So if you don't like your job or you want, want to change later on, like a couple of years down the road, once you finish like three years in that field, you can apply to be something else. I was thinking, you know, I'll just do that and then go move into the counter intel field if I don't like this. I ended up liking it. And partly because of the people I work, partly because of how they took care of me. 
uh, things like that. So, um, and I was, I'm, I'm fortunate because a lot of people don't find that, that, you know, that love for what they do. Um, but I, I'd say for anybody coming into the military, um, who is looking for the right position, I mean, identify what you would, what you would like to do. Um, it's, you know, the military is not for everybody, but I think there is a job that can suit most people like 90% of the folks. Um, and it doesn't have to be Marines. It could be Navy. If you like going on submarines or something like that, it could be army, uh, whatever it might be. Um, like my brother didn't like the Marines. He wanted something else. So he went and did the, uh, did the Navy. Now he works with a lot of, a lot of uh, special operations commands. Um, so it, it's, it's a little difficult to find it what, what you want, but there's something out there for everybody. Uh, as far as me doing the 20 years, it's been a lot of, um, learning been a lot of struggles been a lot of uphill battles. Um, it's been a lot of learning how to lead correctly. It's been a lot of courses, um, deployments, things like that. But I mean, it's, it's what you have to do if you sign up for that. Right. I mean, there's, there's a possibility that you have to do these things. There's a possibility that you have to take these courses. There's a possibility that you have to do things like physical training that you don't really want to do. I don't really want to wake up at five in the morning every day, but you know, I, I've been doing it for 20 years almost. You know? Um, so there's a little discomfort, but I feel like in the discomfort is where you grow. You know, if you're always comfortable, you're never going to grow. You're never going to, you're never going to find out what really works, you know? I don't know if that answers your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess like one good reminder for folks out there um, that to take advantage perhaps of that lateral move that you mentioned, right? Like yeah, yeah. just because you picked a specific role and if it doesn't seem like it's a good fit, you said that there's an opportunity for a lateral role. So maybe folks can explore that and, and, and see what other opportunities are out there, right? And, That's and, right. That's right? and I think that also is for any civilians out there, like when you're thinking of your career, because right now many of us are like, oh, do I like my job? Can I change? You know, there's opportunities to 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 um, do a lateral move and not necessarily stick to one specific role for forever, right? So not all of us are lucky to find something that we love. Yeah, but that. You know what I mean? But the thing is, if, if you love something, you got to work towards that, you know? Yeah. Um, like my, for instance, I'll give you a quick example. My wife is, is a government employee and she has done lateral moves in her job, right? From Hawaii to here and all that. So it is a possibility, not for everybody, but you have to find some happy medium or else mm -hmm. you're just going to be miserable for your, all your life. Right. That's not what life is. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's get into your life as an artist. Uh, when, when did art come into your life? You know, yeah. have you always been drawing? Have you always been an artist? Uh, yeah. Talk to us about life as an artist. Absolutely. So life as an artist, um, I have been drawing since I was uh, probably, I'd say five years old, right? So I, that, that's as far back as I could take it um, because I just recently found my first thing that I had, uh, first little painting that I submitted to the, uh, it was the newspaper in New Jersey, in, in Patterson, New Jersey. And then uh, I took a quick picture of it. Uh, but I've been drawing since then. It wasn't the best drawing or anything. It was just like, here's my parents, here's my house. And it has a little biography on me when I was like five. Um, then I just kind of kept it quiet for many, many years, right? I was only doing it for myself because it is, especially in my time in the military, um, it is a very, very good de-stressor, I feel like. Um, I put music on. I'm in my own little world. And I just go to drawing, sketching. Um, and that, that was, it was just a thing for me. It was not until last year where I actually made everything public. I actually went out and said, Hey, you know, here's what I do world. I made a Facebook page. I made a Instagram account. Um, and I've been doing commissions ever since, which is kind of crazy. 
um, I was surprised that people liked what I was putting out. Right. Um, and you know, I've done, I don't know, maybe 20 commissions since then. Wow. Uh, yeah, it, it's great. It's great. And in the last, you know, since 2022, beginning of 2022, um, I've even done the, the fleet week, San Diego here in, um, you know, I represent my art here. I have my art at the, uh, the art museum here mm -hmm. in San Diego. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, I just got invited to, I, I got an art scholarship to go to Chicago here in March. Um, yeah, for, uh, it's for indigenous arts. So veteran and indigenous arts. So that's one thing. Cause I signed up for it because I wanted to go to the indigenous panel to the indigenous exhibit. Right. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I'm super excited for that. The one in Chicago. Um, but yeah, I didn't, uh, it's, it's always been a decompress, a way to decompress, um, a de-stressor, you know, to, to assist with mental health, things like that. And that's a big thing, a big push in the military and the mm -hmm. veteran community too. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause a lot of veterans suffer with, you know, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder and, mm -hmm. you know, coming back from wartime environments and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, it's, it's a way for them to de-stress, you know? So I think that's how I latched onto it myself and actually. I decided to make it public because I, I joined a couple of groups and they were like, Hey, you know what? We like what you do. And I went to, uh, it was a comic con here in San Diego and I got to talking to one of the guys and I liked his art and he's like, Hey man, you, you know, you do anything. And I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I do. And I showed him my stuff. He's like, dude, let me connect you with these people, man. And he just, he had a huge connection here in Southern California. So, uh, I guess that's how I started too. Cause he, this guy is well known and he connected me with a few folks. Right. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I didn't go public until, you know, since last year. Um, a lot of it is, you know, pencil art. A lot of it is, um, I use Japanese, a Japanese uh, calligraphy brush yeah. with Japanese sumi ink, which is like, uh, it's like a suet from a, from tree, from a tree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, so with water, it's completely like pitch black. And uh, yeah, I just make like portraits out of those. Um, it's, it's amazing how it comes out because it takes me like hours to do some of those, sometimes a week. And I just kind of stand back and just see how it's coming out and it's all yeah. coming together. I, I love doing that stuff. Yeah. I think it's yeah. amazing that, um, so it seems like you also had used your time in the Marines to master or to sharpen like this artistic skill. And then I did. Yeah. you went public last year and now you have, uh, all these resources and opportunities, you know, um, it seems like networking is a key piece to, um, promoting your art and being able to uh, learn about other resources as an artist. You and I earlier, before we started recording, we talked about like the starving artists, right? Like nobody wants to be a starving artist and you have side hustles and other ways of uh, supporting your art. And so I know there are members in the community who are also artistic and want to be able to be an artist as a way to live. But I guess what, what advice would you give them to be able to support their art, their art or make a living through their art? So I, I understand. I mean, I've been full enough to have, you know, these commissions, a lot of them come from family and friends, right? Uh, a few folks that, you know, are third party that I don't really know too well, who now have my stuff hanging up in their house. So I'm grateful for that, but, uh, and I'm grateful to have a full-time job. And, uh, you know, after I retire a pension that will, 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 you know, retirement that will help me out with this. Um, but I, I solely, um, I, I wholeheartedly believe that different streams of income are the key to all this stuff. Uh, and that's been me since I, since I was young, since I was living in Florida, right. Um, having some kind of a side hustle because I was never content with having just that one stream of income. And that is my life. Um, so like right now I run an, an eBay shop. I go out to a lot of, uh, thrift shops and I pick up, you know, these, these thrift finds, you know, a lot of good finds and I resell them on, on eBay, 
know, I just recently got my top seller badge on eBay. So that's, it's going really well. Um, in 2020, end of 2019, early 2020, um, I created, I designed and prototyped and invented a product, a military, uh, uniform item. Um, and I'm going through a patent process now, but they're carried around the world right now at military installations. So it's called undercover clip. It goes inside here. Let me show you. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. So this is my, my Marine yeah. hat, right? My Marine cover. Right. So inside here, you have a little pocket. Okay. Yep. You have a little pocket right there. It's like a little triangle. Yep. And I created this thing, which okay. holds some, it holds ranks, it holds sunglasses, and it keeps your cover looking straight. Right. <laughs> so. Wow. It, usually people just put a credit card, like a ripped up credit card or like a piece of cardboard in there. Right. But I figured, you know, there's got to be a better way. And I found this out after I ruined my sunglasses that I bought um, because I had them in my pocket, you know, and I had like, like a little screw in there and like some change and it, yeah. the lens got messed up. So that prompted me to start prototyping and designing this. So I, I think some of the artistic abilities came into play when I was designing this stuff. And then I taught myself how to 3D print and I taught myself how to do uh, uh, prototyping CAD and all that stuff, uh, the 3D design software. Um, so that, that was fun, actually. I, I, I enjoyed that. That was like six months of thinking, wow. prototyping, labor, or manufacturing, and all that stuff. And I do it all here. And I have a little warehouse uh, attached to my house right here in the garage. So I have a full wall of 3D printers. So I'm manufacturing those here. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it, it's fun. It's great. I mean, I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't fun. But that also brings in uh, a good amount of income. So kind of getting out of the traditional mindset of, right. you know, I got to do something to make extra money. I got to go get a second job. Well, I don't have the luxury of having uh, all these hours to have a second mm -hmm, job. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, there's gotta be a way. So between my, I have an Etsy shop, I have, um, a, uh, the eBay shop. And then this thing, uh, that's actually bringing more, bringing in more than what I make in the military you wow. know, so, uh, per, per month. So I'm like, you know what, um, for it might be time to retire then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're almost, you're almost there at 20, so do not yeah. throw away your pension. No, 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 no. So I'm, I'm definitely going to retire. But uh, <laughs> that, that is, you know, that you just have to think untraditional, think outside the box. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's always been my thing is how else can I uh, both educate myself and right. learn how to uh, do a new skill and how can I create something that somebody else wants? Yeah. And I got to have fun doing it, right? Right. So, that yeah. Yeah, that's key. Like you're solving a problem for another person, you're probably gonna make money out of it. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I agree. And I mean, these things are carried worldwide. I just, I just filled the wholesale order that went to Virginia right. uh, two weeks ago. So I'm like, pe people want it, you know. How I did sold you? How did you initially like, uh, like offer it? I guess you know how. How did you introduce it? Did you just like give give samples first, or I, kind of? So the when I got a hold of the companies, right? As for, first off, I was. After I had my final prototype and I figured this piece will fit in all side hats and it'll hold like 90% of the sunglasses that I tested, um, I went around to like these tactical shops, you know, these army Navy shops and stuff. And I said, Hey, look, I got this product. I think it'll be good for your audience, your customer base. Uh, here's what it does. It's threefold. It'll hold your sunglasses. It'll, uh, it'll hold an extra set of ranks and it'll keep your hat looking straight. Um, and it only costs this much. And the guys are like, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. We'll do a test run. Another guy's like, oh, I'll buy 500, you know, just, and, you know, and I give them wholesale prices, right? It, 
But I think it was just a lot of trial and error. I think it was just a lot of getting yourself out there and networking. Um, you want to know how to present the product, present yourself, that type of thing. So presentation skills are key when you're coming up with something like that, approaching somebody, uh, having like a 30 second elevator pitch on exactly what the product is or what you can do to provide them some kind of service is key. Um, so a lot of that stuff, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate to have some kind of presentation skills as well, you know, in the military. So I just kind of honed off of those. Yeah, no, send me, um, I don't know. Yeah, send me all those links for eBay shop, Etsy shop. I think that's no, so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> and this is called under, Undercover Clip. Undercover so Clip, I, okay. So it literally is a clip that goes under your cover, right? So yeah. undercoverclip.com. Yeah. And what's the patent, um, you know, patent in this? Like, what is that process like? So it, it's a lengthy process. It, it really is. So I'll tell you, I I taught myself how to patent. I, I didn't, I have a hard time paying somebody to do something I can do myself. So I always think of it as an education thing myself, right? Like, how can I learn to do it myself? So I literally went on the US PTO, US Patent and Trademark Office, and just downloaded all their pages and read every piece of literature I can find on patenting. I bought a book called Patent It Yourself. Uh, so I did the initial patent myself. Now for the follow-on patent, because it expires after a certain amount of time, then you probably need an attorney for that. It's not cheap. It's, you know, unfortunately, and that is more time that I'm willing to, de de I'm willing to dedicate uh, towards that. So I had to hire somebody to help me out with that. Yeah. So it, it's, it's definitely a, a process, you know, yeah. it's, it's a lot of reading, a lot of reading. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think it's great that, um, that you educated yourself first in that process. So when you hire an, uh, you know, uh, a lawyer, you yeah. have the foundational knowledge to know, like, you know what you're talking about. So this person's not starting from scratch with you. Right. So I think that's right, the reason right. you. Um, yeah. All right. So as, as we wrap up, um, what's one message you want um, our audience to take away from our conversation today? Sure. Yeah. A message would be um, never stop learning. You know, we, we come from a lot of our families come from humble, humble beginnings, um, at, at least mine did. Right. Uh, and I took that as a lesson to learn from them, you know, because I, I saw how, how hard they worked to bring me here, to bring me and my brothers here. Uh, or at least to raise us here in the States. Um, and that's one thing that they've always told us was never stop learning because nobody can take that away from you, you know? And I guess one key, one key thing with that is, you know, people can take away your time. People can take away your patient and your money, uh, but they can never take away what's up here. They can't take away your knowledge, right? So as long as you keep on going, keep on learning and teach the next generation, there's no stopping you. So yeah, that, that's a big you know, key thing for me. Yeah. So never stop learning. Um, all right. If anybody wants to connect with you to either yeah. ask you about marine life or, you know, to want to buy your uh, art or want to learn more about this undercover clip, where they can get it, um, how can they connect with you? Sure. Probably the easiest way is my, my artist page on Instagram, right? It's uh, literally, it's at VT De La Flor. Okay. So just, just my initials and my last name, De La Flor. Um, I also have it on Facebook, uh, Victor De La Flor Art. Uh, that's probably the easiest way I, I get messages on there all the time. So I'll, I'll respond pretty quickly. Awesome. And I'll add those to our episode notes. Uh, Victor, I really appreciate your time. I learned so much Thank from you. you. I'm really proud, you know, of your career, like the, the brief, the brief, uh, you know, experiences that you shared about your, your time at the Marines. I'm really proud of like you having taken full advantage of your experience of being such a good role model for many of us. So thank you so much. We appreciate you and thank you for your service. Hey, I appreciate you. Thank you for, uh, for having me on. Thank you. 
If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please be sure to share with us in social media using the hashtag Peruvians of USA. All right, here's our conversation. Are you a small business looking to expand your digital footprint? Are you a small business looking to reach more of the Peruvian diaspora in the United States? Consider sponsoring an episode of Peruvians of USA. Peruvians of USA has launched its first sponsorship program. If you're interested, please visit peruviansofusa.com slash sponsors or send us a message on Instagram. Just wanted to take a break here to share that Peruvians of USA now has an online store. Help us spread the message that El Mejor Amigo de Un Peruano es Otro Peruano by visiting our online store. We also have feminine versions that said La Mejor Amiga de Una Peruana es Otra Peruana or gender neutral versions. This could be the perfect gift for a Peruvian in your life. Visit the link on the episode notes or link in bio. All right, back to the episode. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.